0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Good morning. As we start out our time of worship, let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity to come, to come into your house. Lord, you're the one who not only gives out the invitation, but Lord, you've made it possible for us to be here. And for that, we want to thank you. Lord, we ask that this next hour would be pleasing to you. We ask, Lord, that you would draw us close to you. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would soften our hearts. Lord, that we would listen for your voice. We thank you, Lord, for providing us this opportunity that we could gather in your name, that we could encourage each other, that we could lift you up. Lord, for us just being here, we want to thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we go toward our scripture reading today, um, we're going to be looking in the Gospel of John. Um, I'd like to give you a little bit of background before we do our scripture reading because it will help, uh, underst- help us understand what exactly um, John is attempting to do when he wrote the Gospel. We find in uh, Isaiah, yes, okay. In the book 1 John, he writes that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched. Notice the words that John uses to give the firsthand account. John is unique in that, Not only was he a disciple, he was one of the inner three. We have Peter, James, and John. He was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. So he could be, in our terminology, Jesus' best friend. Now he starts out the book of 1 John with uh, what we've seen, what we've heard, what we've touched. He wants to tell us that I was there. Isaiah, if you go to the next verse. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. We proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. He's proclaiming what he has seen. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you might have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, these verses just give us the background of... What John's reason was for writing to us. Now John's desire is that we come to know and believe in Jesus Christ. Isaiah, if you take it to the next slide, he tells us at the end of the Gospel of John that Jesus did many miraculous signs. These are written down, they're recorded in this book, specifically so that we might believe. The Apostle John chose seven signs. Jesus did many miracles, but he only chose seven to highlight, to show Jesus' um, divinity. Now, the Gospel of John is unique in another way. He's the only gospel writer to include conversations in great detail. For example, when the feeding of the 5,000 happened, the other three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they just go on to the next part of the story, and they move through a lot of action. If you look in the book of John, he spends nearly two chapters just talking about what happened after the miracle. The other thing that makes the gospel of John unique is he deals with the people who have a hard time with him. Those who challenge him, those who don't believe in him. He goes into great detail the conversations that they have. So today's scripture reading is one of those times, we're going to be looking at John chapter 8, where Jesus is teaching and they're not buying it and they're questioning him, they're challenging him. So our scripture reading is found in John chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 48. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I am not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. I tell you the truth, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did all the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you have seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. This church is now leaving. At this time, uh, while they're going out, is there anyone in the congregation who doesn't have a sheet of paper that has uh, John chapter 8 on it? If you would, raise your hand if you don't have it, and also a pack of colored pencils. Today is going to be definitely a different day for us. It definitely is a different day for me because I've never done what we're about to do, so. Yeah, this ought to go real good. Uh, I'm wired up with a thing I've never used before and uh, it keeps falling off my ear. Dan assured me it wouldn't, but <laughs> yeah, duct tape. As has already been said, this is the first Sunday of Lent all around the world. Christians are counting down to the celebration of Jesus' resurrection, which will be in about seven weeks. It depends on how you want to count today and Monday, Thursday, and all that stuff. But uh, often uh, pastors will do series. Uh, I like series because it gave you a place to start, a place where you're going to go, and you kind of it helped fill in. Uh, The problem is, we are without a pastor, and uh, how do you do a series for Lent? So, talking with Pastor Dan and the deacons and some of the leadership, um, we're going to do a series, and it's called uh, The Seven I Ams, and we're going to do a number of weeks where Pastor Dan, my brother Mark, and others will be bringing... I am's. so also we have some IMs for Wednesday night prayer meeting, so we're not going to cover them all in morning worship because we have some guests coming in the coming weeks. Um, before we start John chapter 8 and we look at it, I have a video I'd like to show you
1: sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's he cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age, He rewards the diligent, and he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway. Of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless, His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is deficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden Right. I wish I could describe him to well, you yes, He's indescribable, he's incomprehensible He's invincible, he's irresistible Well, you can't get him out of your mind You see, you can't get him off of your head You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him But they found out they couldn't stop him Pilate couldn't find any fault in him Herod couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle and the grave could hold it. Yeah! That's my team! That's my team.
0: <laughs> For Lent this year, I would like to start today with a celebration of Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus uh, through these I Am's. Now in the book of the Gospel of John, uh, if you look close there, those are the seven I Am's. We're going to deal with um, an introduction to those I Am's. As was said earlier, um, the Apostle John picked the miracles to show Jesus' authority. Um, When we look at what Jesus said, today we're not going to see a miracle, we're going to look at a conversation. If you actually looked at the conversation, I don't know that it would take even 10 minutes, and that I find surprising. There's so much material that Jesus gives them. And it's claims that Jesus is making. Um, Okay, hold on. The first of the IMs is in John chapter 8. When people make claims, my mind went right away to LeBron James. If anybody knows basketball... Uh, LeBron is quite the player. He is obviously good. But what gets me, it's striking, is LeBron, um, I am the greatest. Um, I'm impressed. To me, it sounds awful prideful. I realize he's good, but I am the greatest, really? Um, I think in hockey of Wayne Gretzky, There's a difference when someone claims to be the greatest and they're doing it as opposed to someone who the rest of the people around them like, oh, wow. Now, when Jesus makes claims, we're going to see some big claims today. You're going to hear him say, I am. Um, Those claims, they're going to be big, but he backed them up with the miracles, Um Jesus said in John chapter 10 that if you have trouble believing him, believe the miracles, because they authenticate who he is. Notice in uh, this verse how much the miracles are important to backing him up. Now, in your bulletin is a copy of a conversation Everybody has this conversation. It's found in John chapter 8. If you would pull that paper out, um, that's going to be kind of a keystone of this morning's message. Um, You should have a pack of colored pencils also. Uh, I said this is the first time I've tried this. I would like you to take those pencils out. You'll have uh, six different colors. Pick pick your favorite color. As you look at this uh, page in front of you, how many of you like to do word searches where they have all them jumbled up letters and you, you start circling stuff? Or you start looking in uh, a puzzle and there's hidden things in there. And as the longer you look, you, you, see, you start to see things. This page, front and back, is very much like that. As we were looking at the series of I Am, I, I looked at this, um, John chapter 8. I've read it all my life. But as I started reading it and rereading it, looking at it morning, noon, and night, literally, I eat breakfast with John chapter 8 laying in front of me with a colored pencil. I start circling things, I start looking for themes, concepts, repeated words. Now, what I'd like you to do is take a fast glance down through there. And I'd like you to look and see if there's any I am's that pop out at you, where Jesus says, I am. Obviously, on the very first line, I am, the light of the world pops out. That's not today's message, so we're not even going to go there. Uh, Jump down to John 8 14, about four sentences later. uh, You'll see, I am going. So take your colored pencil and circle I am. And as you look down through there, look for I am. Now, I'm going to go through a bunch of I am's today, but I'm not going to give you them all. My hope is that you'll take this page home and you can write in it. You can circle it, underline it, write in the margins, do whatever you want with it. Use it as a tool. Some people are not into writing in their Bibles. I understand that. If you do this exercise, it'll probably look like a big mess when you're done. I gave you multiple colors because as you're going down through the IMs, you're also going to notice other things pop out. To me, it's very much like a gold mine. As you walk into it, you're going to see things that perhaps you didn't notice before. And that's what pleasantly surprised me. I'm 54 years old, have read the Bible I don't know how many times. I love the book of John, so I read it a lot. And there's stuff that popped out. And I'm like, really? Wow. Even this morning, I was printing and looking, and I saw some stuff that I hadn't seen before. Huh. So I would encourage you, take this home. Not only look for I am's, but look for repeated phrases, things that pop out, things that surprise you. Let God's word speak to you, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. Now, I will say, like mining in a gold mine, you just don't walk in and it just falls out on you. You have to work at it. You have to go in other areas. Perhaps in a gold mine, you'll crouch down, and oh, there's the vein. Or instead of going always to the right, which you like to go to the right, you go to the left. Suddenly, you'll find that things pop out. In verse 16, You'll see Jesus say, I am not alone. I stand with the Father. In verse 18, I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father. What I found is as I was looking at I am statements, all of a sudden, the Father pops out. Jesus can't hardly talk without mentioning his Father. Huh, And if you look in other passages, oh wow, his father is brought up all the time. Now, as you're doing this, it reminded me, my wife has been watching a lot of uh, Law and Order, a lot of CSI, a lot of cop, killer, investigative things. I would like you to look down through John chapter 8 with the thought Who are you? And as you're doing that, you'll actually cross where the Pharisees say that very phrase, Who are you? Look at why they ask that. Because Jesus was saying some things that a CSI person would go, Ooh, ooh, there's evidence. There's evidence that supports my thought That Jesus is somebody very special, and I would submit to you that Jesus is God. Jesus said much to reveal who He is and what He came to do. You're going to see that in those I am statements. If I told you I am a father, right away you could go to, well, who's your children? If I said I am a husband, who's your wife? If I said I am a son, who's my father? Yeah, I'm a son and a father. But I want you to be a detective. I want you to look through this. And so I picked the CSI crime scene, and I put up there, what what sets Jesus apart from all humanity? And I found that his relationship with the Father just stood out time and time again. On the first page, uh, three-fourths of the way down, in verse 28, you'll see uh, Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. I see here that Jesus not only has been sent, you'll see that throughout the passage. Let me caution you also, I don't think six colors is gonna do it. As you look close, there's going to be different themes. I'll bet you there's easily 12 to 15 different themes that uh, I had a 12-pack, and pretty soon I was having trouble finding enough colors. You're going to see stuff tie together. It's just incredible. If you flip the page over, right at the top, Jesus says, I am telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence. And there again, we see the Father being pulled right into the sentence. Now, in our scripture reading today, we read that they accused him of being demon-possessed. That's an understandable statement if you think of what he was claiming. In our language, if I stood in front of you and said, You know, I'm God, and actually was pushing it, I came from heaven, I'm going to heaven, you would say, You're crazy. That's what they're saying when, down in verse 49, Uh, You're possessed by a demon. And then they're name-calling. You're Samaritan also. But Jesus says, I am not possessed by a demon. But I honor my father. You dishonor me. Another theme I found that popped out... (laughs) as you peruse this, as you look at it, Jesus says in John verse 8, chapter 8, verse 19, you do not know me. It's, I find it interesting that not only do they not know him, he then ties it to his father. You don't know me, you don't know my father. He says that in verse 19, but if you flip the page, uh, down in verse 55... He repeats that. I'm telling you, you don't know me. Though you do not know me, I know him. There he goes back to his father. Now, I said this was kind of new. There's so much material here, I can't get over how much... uh, (laughs) Jesus is running circles around concepts. The second thing I bumped into, as he talks about who he is, his claim to be God's solution to man's problem with sin comes out. I saw that first in uh, verse 21. There's an I am statement where I am going away. You will look for me. And then notice where he takes them. You will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. Now think about that. Where I go, you cannot come. And then he also brings in, you will die in your sin. A couple verses later, in verse 24, he says, I told you that you will die in your sins If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Now here in verse 24, we see where he brings in belief that when he tells us things, he reveals things to us, we have to take them at face value and we have to trust that what he's saying is true. By the way, there's another theme look for the word truth or anything he says that's true. Now going back to this thought about um, sin, in verse 28, he says, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be. There's an I am tucked in there. What i like to look at is this lifted up part. Now obviously when I put that verse out of the text and with the cross there, right away our thoughts go to Jesus being lifted up on a cross. Think about that though. There's other interpretations for this. When you have lifted up the Son of Man... The Bible teaches us that at one point in the future, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Could it be that when he says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, when you see Jesus in his glory on the throne of God, you will know that what I claim is true. Now there's even another interpretation as I, as I looked at this, pondered it, and read commentaries and read all this stuff, I, I like to read commentaries simply. You get other people's views. It's like, wow, okay, here's one. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be. Our Sunday school teachers lift up Jesus to their students. We lift up Jesus to each other. we proclaim Christ to others. Now, we can do this at work with our co-workers. We can do it in our family, to family members. We can do it with our friends. If you lift Christ up to others around you, not only will they be blessed, but notice you will know that I am the one I claim to be. I believe that as we share Christ with others, Jesus makes it all the more sure who we're following. That we know, unequivocally, who Jesus is. So I leave with you, pick your, uh, how do you read that? And as you share Christ with others, I think you'll find that Christ grows in your heart in such a way that you're not seeing by God as crazy, but that you're a faithful follower. So I ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you know him in such a way that he is Lord and Savior. Because I've, as I read this, I don't see that a person accidentally becomes a Christian. You don't wake up one morning and, oh wow, I'm a Christian. How'd that happen? There's a decision there. There's where we have to follow Christ. We have to choose that. Now in this passage, as you're looking Uh, Look at the responses that are there. Another thing that popped out to me was follow questions. When they're talking with him, look at the questions they're asking. I've already mentioned they ask, Who are you? Eventually, as he's talking with them, they will, Who do you think you are? And I can't help but hear the sarcasm in, you're claiming some pretty big stuff. And that leads him right up to the biggest I am of all. So when Jesus says these I am statements, do you know what he's talking about? Do you have a relationship with Christ in such a way that, oh yeah, I can see that. Hopefully it isn't crazy talk to you. At the end of the conversation, which again, it, I don't think it was hardly 10 minutes. I find that fascinating. If you actually looked at how much time the Gospels cover, I think you'd be surprised in how little amount of time they cover of his three years of ministry. When Jesus is talking about um, sin and death and the Father, I'd like you to go to verse 51. And what I like about God's word, honest to goodness, how many of you recently heard about the fake news and you can't trust anything you hear, and this one said this, and that one said that? To me, it's a breath of fresh air to open up God's word, and I know it to be true. Just plain and simple. It's not colored, it's not a slant I trust that God has given us his word, that it's accurate, that it's faithful. In verse 51, he says, I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Now, early he said that they would die in their sins. Now he brings up death again. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Do you know what Jesus means? I know it sounds incredible, And I know we know people who have died. But he's not talking about that kind of death. Because even Jesus dies. He will never see death. Once Jesus died, three days later, he's back to life. And you're not going to stop God. And what's really cool is he brings us into that equation. I'd like you to look at the response that sentence brings. He will never see death. Right away, they're on to him. How can you say that? One of the questions they ask, are you greater than our father Abraham? (laughs) He died. And not only did Abraham die, so did King David, so did all the prophets, so did all the righteous people. How could you possibly say that you'll never taste death? So Jesus brings them to the greatest I am of all. And notice how it's worded. I tell you the truth. Verse 58. Before Abraham was born, I am. He takes him back to a special name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush. If you remember, Moses was being commissioned or being sent to Egypt to uh, lead the children of Israel out. And Moses has a lot of problems with God's choice of who is being sent to lead the people. And Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they ask, well, what's his name? (laughs) Moses has a problem. What's God's name? And it God gives him that famous reply, I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. you." Yep. Now, unfortunately, in the English language, the word for uh, the I am, let me go back to Abraham. When Abraham was being revealed who God was, God used the title El Shaddai, which we have in our Bibles, Lord. If you look close in an an NIV translation, Lord is capital L, little, uh, small case letters, O-R-D. They did that, that's where El Shaddai is translated. When you have in Exodus chapter 3, when I am is talking, now we have the unpronounceable name of God. And when I say unpronounceable, the Hebrews, so that they wouldn't uh, say God's name in vain or loosely, uh, they took the vowels out. They took them out very early in the game, and all we're left with is YHWH. You can't say the word. You can't even say God's name. That's the word that is here in Exodus chapter 3. It's on the screen, uh, verse 14. I am the active, living, self-existent God. When he says to Moses, I am. I'm here, I'm present, I'm with you. I'll lead the children of Israel out. So when... Jesus says, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. He then is saying, I'm God. You can look at the very last of that on the paper there. Um, The end of this passage, they picked up stones. They understood exactly what he was saying. Well, like I've already said before, I would like you to take this home with you. Take the pencils home with you. Uh, you didn't, I know you didn't come this morning figuring you'd take home homework. Usually in a crowd this size, I would assume, I don't know that, but there's someone who doesn't know Jesus. In that uh, video... Uh, Dr. Lockridge brought up the question several times. Do you know him? I would encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, talk to me afterwards. Talk to someone afterwards. There's a lot of believers in one spot here. This is kind of a cool spot. Don't let it go. Start this Lenten season. Start the rest of your life out with this most important decision you can ever make. Do you know him? Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Have you had your sins forgiven? And if you say, no, I don't know him, please talk to somebody. If you do know him, and I know there's many here that know him, I would hope that as you read Jesus' I am's, they would be an encouragement for you. They would be a comfort for you. Later in the Lenten season, we're gonna hit where Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And I don't want to let the cat out of the bag because I don't want to steal anybody else's thunder because they got some really cool messages coming up on I Am. If you would like to make a decision, I'd invite you to come forward as we sing our closing hymn. Um, If you're shy and you've got questions or talk to me afterward, talk to a Sunday school teacher, grab a friend. Say, would you please explain this to me? And hopefully we'd be all on the same page. Um, if you would stand now